a fellowship meal prepared for us by the wonderful Adon and Maria, so we're very happy for that. Uh, bless, bless them, bless them in the kitchen. Uh, we just thank you for them. Yeah, we're so excited. So stay afterwards, got always good food there. Uh, this week, Wednesday, February 21st, uh, at 9 o'clock, we have the Touchpoint with Pastor Stephen Joyce. It's online. Uh, and you can see all those Touchpoints archived on our website. Uh, at 6 p.m., we have Amplify Youth Group and Kids Activities again. Uh, and I do believe I have one extra announcement written down for me here. Uh, it says, we have uh, the church 2023 statements and 2024 budgets on the counter next to the mailboxes if you'd like a copy of that. All right. Uh, and a reminder that uh, we don't pass the plate here at 10 Strike Church. We have the boxes on the back for our giving. Uh, this morning, uh, just had a, a thought for us before we move on. Uh, we were singing today about uh, praising with our, our whole being, um, down to your very bones, right? Uh, it's, you know, you know that, that image of your, your very bones praising the Lord. Uh, and I feel like this week, this weekend, uh, I've, I've witnessed uh, at least a glimpse of what that's, that kind of looks like. Um, spoiler alert, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my daughter again. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, you're getting sick of it. Oh, this guy and his baby, right? Uh, I hope not. Uh, my daughter has been teaching me a lot of things about life, I feel like, since she's been born. It's amazing, really, how little I, I knew about the world until I, I met her. Uh, she's almost a year old now, and this weekend, uh, as we were, I was, we were in the kitchen together, I was preparing some food for her, and she's sitting in her high chair, and she suddenly, uh, I mean, she's greeted me with, with exuberance before, but suddenly, just the... <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ooh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything particular, I was just standing there. Um, yeah, she, she's done this a couple of times throughout the last couple of days, I feel like, and uh, I was just ruminating on that. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were uh, giving a message, and we were preaching out of uh, Matthew 7, and in Matthew 7, it talks about how uh, we as humans, we know how to be good fathers to our children, good parents to our children. We know how to give good gifts, right? Uh, and if we know how to do even half as good as we do, then how much better is our Heavenly Father. And so, uh, just watching my, my daughter react to me that way, I know it's because it's, she, we have that bond of love. She knows that I'm a safe person to be around. She knows I'm dad, 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 right? Who gets down on my knees and plays with her, who feeds her food, who smiles every time I see her. It's, it's that just innate connection of father to child, right? And so how much more do we, when we can look at our father, we can, we can be that way. Yes! You know, it's in our bones, right? When we praise, we can be that way because that's how good he is. He's so much better than we, I think we know him to be. So uh, that's my thought for this morning. Uh, I'm just going to pray over our giving uh, because Jesus, you are that good. You're even better than that, right? You are so good. You can fill us to the very bones, right? Uh, we just pray that we would know that with every fiber of our being, how good you are and how much we can just let go and praise you in the everyday. So, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
That's good. That's good. That's like exuberant. You know, exuberant, like David danced before the Lord. You know, that's what it made me think of. <laughs> we have some really special guests with us today. Uh, some people, many of you know, some don't know them still. But it's uh, Clarks, Tyrone and Kim. Why don't you both stand up and just face the people. Let's give them a greeting here. This, this is actually the third time that they've been with us. And we, we just love them. And we appreciate them. And, you know, some folks, when you meet them, other brothers or sisters in the Lord, there's just a connection right away. It's in the spirit. You know, it's just that way. And that it is that way with the clerks. Uh, and we're so thankful that we've met you. And they are Gideons. And uh, Tyrone is uh, the local vice president, but he's also the Minnesota president of the, of the Gideons. And then uh, Kim is our auxiliary president here uh, in Bemidji. And Joyce and I know what that is. I mean, we, we actually attended some meetings with Al and Leona Bontrager, they were talking to us about being Gideons just before we became pastors. When you're a pastor, you can't be a Gideon, so then, then we were we can do it, see. But uh, Joyce, well, I think I was in one of the auxiliary meetings. I'm not sure how I ended up in there with the ladies, and we were praying, and they were praying, let me tell you. They were praying. But Tyrone is here to share with us about the Gideons. But, but last year when he was here, I just was prompted to, when, if, if Tyrone comes again to share about Gideons, we're going to turn them loose to just preach the word, <laughs> you know, because I could just see it in there in you. And so Tyrone will ask you to come up and, and share with us this morning, okay? Okay, first, amen. Good afternoon, ladies. As Patsy said, my name is Kari Pankinen, and I live in a small town, or just outside of a small town, called Lamberton, Minnesota, which is a town of about 800 people. So that's roughly about the size of everybody in the room here. Um, and I grew up in a town that was about 350 people, so about half the size of the room. I'm honored to have been asked to share my testimony with you all today, and I hope that it will encourage you in your service for the Lord. About a month ago at our church, we studied how to, um, how to share your testimony more effectively, and there's three parts of a good testimony. One is what you were before you came to Christ, two is how you came to Christ, and three, how your life has been changed. So I'm going to share those with you now. My story starts when I was 13 years old and in junior high school. How many of you remember being in junior high? Raise your hand. Um, it, at that age, or how do you, how about you, sorry, let me start over. How many of you remember being in junior high? You raised your hand. How many of you remember what you were like in junior high school? Would you like to go back to junior high school now? No. <laughs> well, at that age, I was experiencing all the typical junior high girl traits. I was moody, I was emotional, insecure, wanting to be liked more than anything. 
Now just keep that in the back of your mind for my story. So at 13 years old, my life turned completely upside down. My parents, who were always very affectionate and never fought, like ever, went from having an almost perfect marriage to one that was falling apart. My dad went from seemingly very happy and normal to going through major depression, having suicidal thoughts, making multiple threats to shoot himself, and being hospitalized for that, and unfortunately falling in love with another woman who was a lot younger than him. In fact, she was a good friend of mine, a high school girl who went to my church and played basketball with me, which was a completely sick and inappropriate relationship. Our house went from perfectly normal and borderline boring to tumultuous, tumultuous and unstable. It became unbearable for me. My parents were headed for divorce. I hated every minute of living at home. I hated both of them for making my life so awful, but they pretty much ignored me anyway because they had their own issues. I felt so alone and so ashamed. At the time, I literally was the only person I knew whose parents were divorced or getting a divorce, not to mention how messed up it is to have your dad be in love with one of my friends. How many of you, when you were in junior high, knew someone whose parents were divorced or had a parent fall in love with your friends? Raise your hand. Not many. <laughs> and remember, junior high girls need to fit in. To escape from it all, I started hanging out with much older kids, going to parties, drinking when I could, and occasionally smoking. I started sneaking alcohol home in little film canisters. How many of you guys remember those little film canisters? Yeah. I also dated several guys who were definitely not God-fearing young men. I became so depressed, I would go into my room at night and fantasize about my death and my funeral. I would listen to horrible music that was just as depressing, and I wrote dark poems about death. I honestly thought that things would never get better, and my only alternative was suicide. I've heard people say that they can't understand how suicide could be an option, but I just literally felt I had nobody. I couldn't talk to, about, to anyone about what was happening because it was so embarrassing and nobody would understand anyway. I felt so alone. And I didn't want to believe in a loving God anymore because in my sheltered and shallow teen mind, certainly he would never allow something like this to happen, let alone to someone like me, a good church-going girl. I had it all figured out. I found some old razor blades in our bathroom cupboard and I began to make cuts into my wrist whenever I could. I thought if I could make small, many small cuts over a period of time, eventually I would just have to make one final small cut and I would bleed out. I had my funeral all planned out, complete with all my hymns. I had my obituary typed up and ready to go. And I was gonna kill myself on Good Friday for good measure and for dramatic effect. Fortunately for me, I had a good friend whose parents loved me like I was their own child, and I had a teacher who was very concerned about me. I guess they had seen my wrist at some point, even though I always wore long sleeves so no one would know what I was doing and to cover them up, and they told my mom. A few weeks before Easter of my eighth grade year, I got off the bus to find my grandma and my mom waiting for me. They took me to a psychiatric unit in a hospital in Mankato, in Mankato Minnesota, 
which is about an hour away from my house. I was put in a room with bars on the windows like a jail cell and no mirrors so we didn't smash them in self-harm. I was in a locked bedroom inside a locked hospital wing. These were literally the worst days of my life. I had to go to group therapy several times a day as well as individual therapy and I was subjected to some pretty intense mental and emotional testing. But I quickly found that if I told the hospital counselors what they wanted to hear, in other words, lying and saying I felt better and wasn't going to harm myself, I could get more privileges. Soon, I was moved out of my locked room and the locked wing into just a regular hospital room. Not long after that, I got the great news that I was going to be released. I was going home. I could continue on with my plan to end my life. The night before my release, I was alone in my room, finalizing my suicide plan in my special notebook. I was still gonna go through with it, and I felt more alone than ever, especially there, away from everyone I knew. I took a break from my plans, and I just sat there feeling so alone and sorry for myself. And then it hit me, an overwhelming, overpowering, unexplainable sensation that came over me to open the nightstand drawer and read the Bible that was placed there by the Gideons. I opened to Psalms 22 and read the words, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Someone else felt intense pain and sorrow. That was exactly how I felt. I kept reading through the Psalms until I got to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. That was good. But then I got to Psalm 27:10. Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Wow, that was the verse for me. You have no idea what that verse did for my soul. It was then in that hospital room in Mankato, Minnesota, that I gave my life to Christ, the only one who will ever completely feel my pain and know exactly what I'm going through, the only one who will always love me unconditionally and will never leave me. Life since that day hasn't been perfect by any means. I've had many struggles with things, especially feeling insecure and abandoned, mostly by my parents. Sadly, my dad has essentially zero contact with me. He missed my boys' graduations from high school, even though they were valedictorians, and he lives only 20 minutes away. My oldest son got married two years ago, and my dad didn't even come to the wedding or even bother to send a card. My mom is just too busy with life and work to make too much time for me. But God has been so faithful, and I know he will never abandon me. Even though I don't have a very good relationship with my parents, the Lord gave me a wonderful, godly husband who is so solid. I'm so blessed to have him. He is not perfect, but he is perfect for me. We are both very active in serving our local church together. And as Patsy mentioned, we have two sons and a daughter-in-law who love the Lord and are such great gifts from God. And even though I am way too young, I do have a granddaughter, Olivia, who just turned nine months old. <laughs> Having a personal relationship with Christ has been the difference between life and death for me. Without Christ, I was literally on a path of death. And with Christ, I'm alive. Without Christ, I was lost and hopeless. And with Christ, I'm found and full of hope.
I've shared my testimony many times over the last several years, and although I want to serve the Lord and tell of his greatness and what he's done in my life, I have to admit there's still that reminder of the pain that I went through and that I still go through every time I tell the story. It's really hard at times. Even reviewing my testimony in my hotel room this morning, I broke down and sobbed. But I am so thankful that the Bible was in my hospital room that night. God used that Bible to speak to me and to get a hold of my heart. Without that Bible, I would not be standing here today speaking to you or probably even speaking at all. So thank you for being faithful in your service to the Lord. You helped save my life. Good morning, everybody. I just really want to say praise to the Lord and uh, just really thankful for Carrie. Um, Carrie is becoming very well known. A lot of people are seeking her out because of her testimony. And right now, I'm waiting on the movie to come out. What a, what a, just a powerful testimony. And, and that's what I'm gonna be talking about later on um, uh, as part of our message because it really coincides with our, our message. Um, but I really wanna just thank the 10th Strike Community Church, Pastor Pump, uh, this congregation, I tell you, you guys, you all are wonderful. I'm serious. Uh, from the front door all the way to the inside, it's just the warm welcome is just absolutely overwhelming. I, I, uh, and I, I'm always glad uh, when Kim and I get a chance to come here. Um, I don't know what they're going to do next year because uh, after three visits, they rotate you out. And, and you, you'll probably get someone new. So this will be my last, this is possibly my last time coming uh, to 10 Strike, but that don't mean that we can't come to visit. Uh, and and uh, again, we just really, really appreciate uh, having this opportunity. I appreciate uh, Pastor Pump giving me some extra time to talk, so I do have something that I want to share uh, with everybody. So the Giddings organization, just as a reminder, it's an organization that made up of professional businessmen along with auxiliary wives who are called for the sole purpose of winning the lost soul to uh, Christ. That's what we do. And, um, and, and we do this by scripture distribution. That's our primary source, is getting the word of God into the hands of people who have not come to know him or people who can't afford to uh, purchase Bibles, uh, and mostly these uh, Bibles go to people in other countries, foreign countries. Uh, there's, there's some restrictions in the United States because we set up a little bit different, but we definitely want to make sure that these other countries have the same opportunity that we have uh, as far as the Word of God is, is concerned. So we continue to serve as an extension of the church, of this church, uh, and we partner with this church because we strive side by side together. Again, we strive side by side together with the churches to, to uh, make sure people are getting the word of God. Um, we, could, uh, we, we, um, we do this in the, car, in the car of uh, Philippians 127, and the one thing that we are 
is we are committed. We're a committed organization. We're committed in maintaining a solid testimony for Christ by spreading God's word. Um, so we just want to thank you for allowing us to proclaim the gospel to wherever God sends us. And we go a lot of places. We're in uh, approximately 200 countries around the world. Kim and I um, serving in the positions that we are in. We travel throughout Minnesota a lot. I mean, an absolute lot. We have 71 camps here, so all the way from the north to the south, from the east to the west, and we go to every last one of them. Uh, at least we try to get to every last one of them. It's difficult to get to 71 places in a year's time, but uh, we, we certainly have uh, tried to get to a lot of the camps and visit them. But I just want to tell you about one of the testimonies we had uh, when we was coming back from Rochester. Uh, and I apologize, my voice started to go out. I'm going to go quickly because my voice might go out uh, on me. But uh, we was coming from Rochester, and we had to make a uh, stop in Motley to do um, a bathroom break, you know, gas up bathroom break. And so both Kim and I, we went in the bathroom. When I came out, Kim was sitting up to a table with the cashier. And I'm thinking, well, shouldn't this lady be working? But no, they're, they're, at the, they're sitting at the table having a conversation. And then I, I sit there, and she is just sharing her heart out, and she's crying. She had a lot of concerns on her, on, on her mind. I was thinking, what was it about Kim that would make her just open up to Kim? That was the first thing that came to, came, came to my mind. But, but there was something that she felt like she could trust Kim. But when it was all said and done, what we did in the store was we stood in the middle of the store and we prayed together. Uh, uh, and, and that was just an awesome experience. But that's the things that we do. We meet people where they're at. And if there is a need to pray, we will pray for them. As I told uh, Pastor Pump this morning, who was in the, um, uh, in, in the, the, the other room, I'm not sure what the name of this room is back here, but he, Pastor Pump prays a lot. And I said, man, you'll make a good Gideon is what you'll do uh, because, because he prays a lot. And he prays for everything, and that's good because Gideons pray for absolutely everything. And we pray seven days a week, 24 hours a day. When one Gideon goes to bed, another one gets up and starts praying. We're always praying for churches. We're always praying for the pastors. We pray for them by name. We call the names out. We know that pastors and churches have struggles. And we pray that God will always have divine intervention to help them uh, deal with these different challenges that they do, do have. So we appreciate the pastors and we appreciate the, uh, the churches. Um, so we just, uh, uh, just want to thank you, not just for your uh, financial support that you give, but for your prayers. Prayers are absolutely the most important thing that we could do. People don't think so sometimes, but God answers us through prayers, not through wishing, okay? Prayers. We have to speak to God with prayer. So... Uh, uh, with that being said, um, I'm going to move into my message here uh, real quickly. Um, and I want you to, um, if they've got that up, yeah, there we go. Welcome back home, my child. And this, uh, this is uh, going to be coming out of Luke, which everybody probably in here is familiar with this story that I'm going to talk about. But it, it also talks about how Carrie kind of strayed away from the faith how some of us stray away from the faith, okay? Um, so if you would join me, 
Let me get my glasses on here. We're going to read from Luke 15, 11 through 24. And it reads, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the young of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. When he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk of the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servant. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in that sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Amen. There he is, that word. So I'm going to uh, talk to you. There's two things I'm going to talk to you about today, and uh, give me an opportunity. I'm going to pray real quick, and then move into my uh, uh, message here. Heavenly Father, as uh, we come to you, Lord, we once again just give praises to you. We give thanks to you, Lord. Lord, you are worthy of so much, and yet sometimes we give so very little, Lord. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for our shortage as it relates to you, Lord. Lord, lift us up. Uh, Lord, lift us up so we can recognize who you are and what you do, how important you are to us, Lord. Thank you for being the leader in our lives. Lord, thank you for setting the, the, the path that we should be on, Lord. We know that your path leads to a path of righteousness and peace in our lives, Lord. So we strive for peace. Everybody wants peace in their lives, Lord. So we, we, we just, uh, uh, just pray that you just continue to keep us where you have us so that no matter how things look to us, Lord, we will recognize that you are in control. You are managing our lives. You are managing the direction. You are managing the path, Lord. And we'll, we'll forever hold that uh, uh, up to you, Lord. Lord, uh, once again, may I decrease this morning that you be increased and that the words that come from my mouth not be my own but be yours, Lord. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. So, let's talk about some uh, the, the two things. Uh, once again, why we leave the presence of God 
and why we should return. So we'll go with, uh, start with why we leave the presence of God. And a lot of these are going to be very, very uh, familiar uh, to people. But as we look at it, um, it says dis- disappointment in God's performance. A lot of us are disappointed in how our lives are or how we see God in our lives. Uh, when people don't understand God, that God is God, he is not someone that answers to us, but we are someone that answers to him. Uh, God, um, when we think about how God is trying to lead our lives, he already knows where the pitfalls are, where the, uh, where, where the dangers are, and he tries to steer us from those things. But it's our wants that get in our way of, uh, of not leaving when, when those wants aren't achieved uh, or we don't uh, receive what we ask God for. And God, if we trust God, if we say we trust God and we believe uh, in God and that we know that God has the best for us, we will accept his no, but sometimes we don't accept his no because as a people, we just want what we want. We don't think about God saying that this is not good for you. Even though it looks good for you, it's not good for you at all. And so, therefore, if God is not coming through for me, why should I follow God? Isn't it just best to just follow my own way? This is the way people, uh, some, some people think uh, some, sometimes as it relates. So they're disappointed in there. There's no standard for God. So you can't be disappointed in God's performance. It's absolutely, uh, we don't know him uh, uh, enough to, to put standards on him. God says his thoughts are above our thoughts, his ways are above our, our ways. There's absolutely no way we can, we can set a standard and say that if God, you, if you are God, you will do this for me. That's not the way that God works. And, and uh, that's people's expectation. If I believe that, my football team will make it to the Super Bowl and win. Now, I don't know about, about anybody else that prays, God, let my team win. God, let my team win. I be wondering sometimes about that. And I'm like, do God just let them go out there and just, just rough it out? Or do he really pick a team? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But it's just interesting that, that we, we have these certain frivolous requests uh, to God, and God don't come through for us, and we think that God is not there for us, and he's not coming through for us. Uh, next thing it says, being discouraged by their experience with God. Um, as you heard Carrie say, I am a good person. I go to church, okay? I'm involved with church um, activities. I read my Bible. I study. I do all these things, and yet these bad things happen to me. Why? They, they shouldn't. It's impossible for bad things to happen to people who serve God. But we know that's not true. Because in Jesus, Jesus has stated to us that we will have trials and tribulations. We need to understand that. 
we will have trials and tribulation. I'll tell you something real quick is that one of the most devastating things that happened to me and my family about uh, four years ago was when our brother died. My oldest brother died. It wasn't expected that he would die, and yet he, 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 he did. And the whole family was devastated. And I went to give my sister, who uh, is a little older than I am, a hug and say, well, he's in a better place. I don't want to hear that. That was her response. She's angry right now. I mean, she's not angry now, but she was angry at that moment. She was really angry at that moment and didn't want to hear anything about God. Because in her mind, our brother should not be dead. But those things do happen. We are aware that unforeseen incidents happen, unfortunate incidents happen. But because bad things happen in our lives does not mean that God is not being good. God is still being good in spite of those. So if we just hold to Jesus' uh, uh, statement that these trials and tribulations will come, all we need to do is hold on to God uh, to get through them. Challenges with other Christians. Boy, that's a true one. Man, uh, I tell you, I never thought, and I'm not sure how, how this church functioned, but I just knew how ours functioned was when COVID hit, boy, there was so much drawing in the sand, uh, drawing the line in the sand, it, it, was, uh, it was just tough. It was a tough time of where, how we had polarized. And I thought that we all read the same Bible. I, I, I was sure of that. <laughs> I was very sure that we all read the same Bibles. We all followed the commandments of God and that we would all flow in the same direction, but that did not happen. But that, that wasn't the only test. It's that sometimes... Our, our conduct can be unbecoming as a Christian. And we're going we're to see uh, what God says about that in a few minutes here, is that there's nothing more important than when you're in the presence of others and in the presence of each other is how we conduct ourselves, even when we disagree with one another, disagree in love. There is a way to absolutely do that, to disagree with love. We call it communicating, collaborating, and talking. Talk things out. Don't yell, don't scream, don't shout. Let me, let me just uh, share with you. When I was over in uh, Hawaii, what I uh, experienced on one of the, uh, our church meetings, elder board meetings, um, and when I went through this, I said I would never, ever sit on a church board ever again. So we was, we was, we was having a meeting and the pastor stood up and talked about some things he didn't like. And then someone responded to the pastor. And then someone else started responding. And all of a sudden, it's an all-out war. I actually got up and I walked out. I walked out in the hallway and I started praying, God, please come and fix this. I mean, this is, at, this, this is Christian people, okay? Christian people, and they were going at it, and they was loud, and they was yelling and screaming, and I was saying, but we are supposed to be setting the example for others. 
What if other people see this? This is not the way that we should be conducting ourselves. So our conduct with each other, even when we're discussing, again, when we disagree, let's have a calm conversation about it. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk these things out. We all will disagree on something. It's been proven in the Bible. Two disciples didn't agree on something, and they went separate ways, but I don't know if they was angry or not. However, and the Bible didn't really uh, cover that, but there's a way that if we disagree, we need to just manage that without making an enemy out of our Christian brother and Christian sister. Okay? Then, alignment with God. This is really, really a uh, good minute. I'm, I'm going to uh, just skip a little bit, and I'm going to come back, but alignment with God. I'm going to just go ahead and say it just like this right here. Sometimes some of the things we want are out of alignment with God. God is not dealing in sin with our request. You'll be amazed at what people be wishing for and hoping for. Uh, Kim and I, we was at a, a, a prayer meeting um, over in Detroit Lakes, I believe it was. We was at a, pre a prayer meeting in Detroit Lakes, and I actually, we, we, was, we was thrown. One of the ladies prayed, and she, she prayed that God would kill somebody. And, okay, wow. Hmm. Right. Is that a... <laughs> now, do we really expect God to answer that prayer? We don't pray that God kills, we pray that God saves. Okay, we pray that uh, God changed the person's heart because our, our desire cannot be less than God's desire. God desires for everybody to make it in. We shouldn't be hoping for anything less. So if he's still holding on to that person who might have some problems, we should be holding on to him too. But here are some things. I'm just going to say it again. I want to sleep with him or her. I want to serve myself. I want to rip them off. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do, and uh, uh, how I want to do it. Sometimes we do feel like we are not getting anywhere in life while serving God. Sometimes we feel like things are never going our way. Sometimes we feel like everyone else is having fun but me. Sometimes we feel like we are pressed down by the commandments of God. Okay. I even had a, uh, heard a pastor pray one time. His sermon was, God, what about me? Okay? He was saying, what about me? I'm doing all this, listen now, I'm doing all this work for you. But my neighbor is getting this. My friends are getting this, and I'm not getting anything. What about me? What a message was that? I was like, okay, is he a son of God, or is he a son of Satan? But that was, a, that, I couldn't believe that that was a sermon. But why couldn't he preach about what about others? God encouraged us to put others before ourselves. As much as we can, as much as within us, put others in front of ourselves. 
Next slide. Okay, here's a uh, scripture on disappointment. Um, there's many scriptures in the Bible to help us through whatever we're facing at the time, but this one, what was given to me, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of my, the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to, to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Psalm 41 through 3. Amen. What is God just asking us? Just wait. Just wait. And you're going to hear a little bit more about waiting on God. God is, uh, God is an awesome God. He's a good strategist. Uh, certainly, his plan is perfect. Uh, we're just imperfect in the plan. Uh, let's go to the next one, discouraged. Uh, from uh, discouragement, um, come from 2 Timothy uh, 2.24, it says, the servant of the Lord must not participate. Look at this right here. I, no, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. This is a challenge with the Christians. Yeah. Okay, the discouraged one, I, I'm missing that one. Do you have it? Up? Okay, good. There you go. See, it's good to have both of these. Uh, okay, so uh, Deuteronomy 31.88, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And isn't that what Carrie just said when she heard those words, those very, very words? God let her know that he is always there with, with, uh, with us. Even though, let me just look at Brother uh, Tim and say, even when we can't see it, he's working. Amen. <laughs> There we go. Even when we can't see it, he is working. So, uh, uh, um, so now let's go to the next one, the challenge with other Christians. Yes, thank you. That one, um, 2, 2 Timothy 2.24. When we was going through our uh, challenge in, uh, back during the COVID uh, period, I really just meditated over this one right here because uh, for about a couple of years, this was just an ongoing battle. But it says, we are servants of the Lord. We are servants of God. And again, we should be representing ourselves accordingly. The servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but must be kind to everyone. Boy, that's a, that's a challenge. Even before COVID, that was challenging. They must be even-tempered. They must preserve peace. We should be striving for peace, if nothing else. Also, they must be skilled in teaching. They must be patient. And they must be tolerant when people do us wrong. That's a lot to ask for. That's a lot. That, 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 that is a, a, a lot. But yet at the same time, God is requiring us as someone who's going to follow him to follow these particular standards. 
Sometimes we find it very hard to do depending on the circumstances. There's many times I've had to do this right here. I think God worked my heart because the flesh is definitely rising right now. Okay. Talk to God. Tell him to talk you down because you don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't want to do the wrong thing before, because all it does is leave someone to say, see, that, and that person calls himself a, a Christian. But look at the action, look at the words. Okay. Now, the next one was out of alignment. Yeah. Okay, out of alignment with God. And this was really powerful coming from Jeremiah 29:11. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know that I'm doing, I know what I'm doing. This is God saying, God said, I know what I'm doing, okay? I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. These are God's words. But I want to go back to the very first uh, verse there, which says, as soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before. In God's plan, we might be going through something, and we might want God to come and take care of something right now, but God said, I won't be there until it's time. Even though we think it's time, but he's saying, I will not be there until it is time. It's already set. Amen? Okay. So we're going to go to my second point, and I think I'm, my voice still sounding pretty good here. So um, we're going to look at why should we return to God? A lot of reasons to return to God if you leave him. There's a lot of reasons to come to him if you ain't there uh, um, from the get-go. But if you somehow end up leaving the fold, a lot of, a lot of reasons are here. I pulled out uh, just four reasons here. We need restoration and forgiveness from God when we leave. We need freedom from our sins. Chances are, if we leave God, we're diving right into sin. Okay. We need the devil to be driven out of our lives. If we leave God, the devil has control. And we will discover we actually do have a full life with Christ even though we can't see it sometimes. And a lot of people don't understand it until they get out there, they get away from God, and they realize how tough it is without God. And just like uh, this son that left his dad that went out and spent all that he had, and then he had to deal with the real world because he no longer had the wealth that he had, he understood the value of having God not just his dad, but having God in his life. He said he sinned against God when he did that. He realized that. A lot of us don't realize sometimes, when we, well, anytime as we step away from God, we are sinning against God. Because to not believe is a sin. 
Okay, when you don't believe, and, and, and that's, I don't know uh, how some people uh, will say it, but uh, they, they call it the ultimate sin. I don't know about that, but, but, but you have to believe. God called for us to believe. So let's go to uh, forgiveness. In Isaiah 1, 7, instead of your shame, think about this, this, this son who went out and lost everything. Embarrassing. Certainly shame uh, is a shameful situation. But God said, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Now see, when this son came back to his dad, his dad didn't say, I told you so. Okay. He did not point the finger at him and said, I told you so. You should have listened to me. He didn't do any of that. He ran out and embraced him. That's the thing God do for us. We come back. God is not going to point the finger at us. God is a God who forgives time and time again. So if you are even contemplating, I say don't even do it. But if you somehow have left the fold, but still just showing up, come back. God will still receive you with open arms. Freedom. In Romans 6.22, God said, this is the freedom from the sin. But now since you have been, been set free from sin and have become a willing slave to God, you have your benefit resulting in sanctification, being made holy and set apart for God's purpose, and the outcome of this is eternal life. Okay. When we come to God, we give our life to God. God has a purpose for us now. He always had a purpose for us, but he, certainly when we give our lives to him, he has a purpose for us. We have been set apart for God's purpose, whatever that purpose may be. Now, I don't know about any of you. Sometimes I wonder how I get out of the trouble that I get into sometimes. I don't, I don't know if you, maybe some of you don't get into trouble. I don't know. But you wonder, man, how am I going to get out of this mess that I'm in? And somehow... Somehow, miraculously, God figures out a way where he keeps you protected, he takes care of you, and he takes care of the problem as well. You know, I think it was Kirk Franklin that said, Kirk Franklin is a, I, I forgot what I wanted to say, circular, uh, um, I call him a circular pastor, but, uh, but he's, he, he wrote a song, and in that song, uh, it says something like this. Aren't you glad that God didn't expose your dirt? <laughs> Aren't we glad of that? That's, that, that? that's the absolute truth. God did not pull out the skeletons in your closet. This is God's protection over all of us. None of us are free from that. We all have different struggles, whatever those struggles may be. And we know we need help with those struggles. And God is having us through those struggles. But at the same, same time, we've got to understand that when Jesus died, he set us free. 
So we should no longer be compelled to uh, follow in those sins. And then flee from the devil. James 4, 7, for me to us all. So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, and stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Amen. It takes, it takes that. You got to make the choice. You have to make that choice. It's totally up to us. And I, you know, I, I talk to people all the time about choices. You know, we can blame the devil all we want to. He's just a deceiver. He can't force any of us to do anything. He can't make us do anything. When we do it, we do it by choice, whether you want to believe it or not. It's a choice to do what we do. Every day we wake up, we have to make the choice of, am I going to follow God or am I not going to follow God? That's what it really comes down to. And I've, I've shared in many Bible studies, I say, on any day, on any day, any of us can slip. Any of us can slip. It, it, it just happens that way. But again, we have a forgiving God. God knows that. Jesus told us the spirit is willing, but flesh is weak. Amen? The flesh is powerful. Don't underestimate it. It makes us do things, like Paul said, that we don't want to do. Okay? That's what the flesh does. It makes us say things that we don't want to say. That's the power of the flesh. When we start feeling the flesh rise, again, my mechanism is I put my hand on my heart, I have to talk to God because it's coming. And if I don't get God into me, it's not going to be looking pretty. And then someone's going to say, anybody know Tyrone Clark? I thought he was a good Christian. We have emotions that we have to deal with. I, I, I understand that. And it is difficult around certain people. It's like some people, it's like some people have been designed to just, just poke you. I mean, day in and day out, their job is simply to poke you to get a rise out of you. But you can bring the flesh unto submission to the spirit. And then, the final one is life with Jesus. It's come from out of 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritual, spiritually and morally alert. We need to fix our hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to us when Jesus Christ is revealed. We need to be obedient children of God. Do not conform to the evil desires that govern us in our ignorance before we knew the requirements and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. But like the Holy One who called us, be holy ourselves in all our conduct. Be set apart 
from the world by our godly character and moral courage because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. Again, God really packs it on. He requires a lot of us. Walking this life is not easy for Christians. Uh, um, so many times we, we do think about, boy, I, I feel like a mat. People are walking all over me and, and people are taking advantage of me and, and, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. And these are the emotions that just overtakes us, but we've got to remain patient in God when it comes, comes to that. God said he will fight our battles. Um, and, and what I've learned in my experience um, from, from this is that God can be working on two people at the same time, you and somebody else. And the person that he uh, puts you be with is probably the person you hate the most. And you wonder, God, why would you stick me with this? You know, we don't even get along. And, and through time, for whatever reason, these two people become the best of friends. Started out as enemies. Right. Keep this, just keep to go back to this um, one phrase, a passage. God says, I have a desire for everyone to make it in. Some people's hearts need to be changed. Some people's hearts need to be changed through you because you're the one that's representing God. You show the best of who God is in you so that they could see it. So, as another testimony here is, I was in an um, admin meeting. Uh, this happened a, a few years ago. I was in an admin meeting, and I was speaking on behalf of the, uh, the, the supervisor, and I told the, the people in the, in, in the meeting of some changes that was going to be taking place, and boy, they didn't like the changes, but you know, employees don't never like changes. You know, if things are going the way it is, that's... Let's leave it. Don't touch it. But anyway, when I, I told them about the change, this, this one lady went off on me. Let's just say she did rip me a new one, okay? She just really lit into me. But I didn't, I didn't argue back. I, I just said, okay, are you finished? Is there anyone else that feels the same? Okay, that night, that night, in spite of that meeting, I had a good night's rest, okay? I came back to work, and I was sitting at my desk, and this lady came up, and I, and I saw her, and she had tears in her eyes. And I, 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 I said her name, I said, well, what's wrong? And she, she said, I came to apologize to you. She said, last night, I tossed and turned the whole entire night. I couldn't sleep. And she apologized. And I got up and I gave her a hug. Sometimes, even when we want to go back at the person, let the love of God come forth. It needs to be shown. The love of God. If they see that, they will understand true love. 
I've had so many times, uh, and I'm going to uh, be closing here in a second, of uh, people ask me, why am I the way I am? And I say, well, I wasn't always this way, <laughs> okay? I wasn't always this way. I um, definitely was quick to anger, uh, prone to anger about anything, want to fight about everything. Uh, you, you know, and when I say fight, I'm talking about physically fight. Um, you know, uh, you, 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 just, you, you just don't want to be wrong, even if you are. Um, you, uh, you just, there's just something. When I was in that space of dealing with my anger that God took me through, to help change it. And God had to put me in situations where I would constantly be angry in order for me to get rid of this problem I had with anger. I haven't gotten rid of the problem. God taught me how to manage the problem. I had a supervisor for two years that rode my back. Two years, every day, almost every day, we end up arguing. Now, he's a supervisor. He could probably fire me or whatever, whatever, but I think he just got a joy out of the fact that we argued. So every day, you know, at the end of the day, I know it's going to be one thing or another with this guy. It, it often was. It was so bad that if this guy did, would call me on the weekend, and I see it on my cell phone, I see who it is, I take the battery out the phone. I don't want to talk to him, okay? I just don't want to talk to him. Well, I had to pray also those two years. They was tough for me, because before I got in the military, before God got some discipline into my life, he couldn't use me the way I was before I got the discipline that I needed, and he had to put me in the military to get the discipline that I needed. Okay. So while I was there, every morning I would literally go to my office, get on the floor, and i get on my knees and I would pray. I needed prayer because it was hard working with this individual. Well, one day, he always uh, traveled with a group of guys, okay, uh, and and there was three peas in a pod, so to speak. Not two peas, but three peas. And, and he came and he addressed me. I was sitting at a desk. I, I had a group of people that I was responsible for. And he was at my desk. He came up to my desk and he started yelling and screaming. Okay, okay, I can deal with the yelling and screaming. And then he started cursing me out. And then I started to... I started to draw a line in the sand, but I was doing it, you know, patiently. And I said, I told the person, I said, please don't curse me out, okay? He proceeded to yell and scream, and then he cursed me out a second time. I said, I said please don't curse me. And then he did it a third time, and he told me to get my A out there, you know, outside. And, you know, so I went outside. I was really, I was fuming inside. I was really, really fuming. And I came back from my walk and they were standing up on the dock and he, I forgot what he said prior to me getting up there, but 
I'm ready to revert back. I'm ready to be the dog to go back to environment. This, this is the point that I'm at. I'm ready to fight, physically fight at this point. And I go and I literally put my nose on his nose. He asked me what was my problem. I told him he was. He was. My fist was clenched. It was clenched. But God was right there to hold it. I didn't, I didn't go back to being the dog that I knew. The dog that I, I will revert to when I can't have my way or but what God had showed me at that point, this is the crossroad you are at. I just wanted you to see how far you've come. Now, amazing enough, God in all his goodness, God removed that individual and placed me in that individual spot. And the guy came one day. He didn't know that they had done that. He knew that they moved him, but he didn't know who the replacement was until he came back up and saw me sitting in the office. He was like, what are you doing in there? Of all people, but God is an awesome God. Amen? So, in, in closing, I uh, just want to say thank you so much for being patient with uh, me and Kim and having us over these past three years. And, and it's been wonderful uh, coming here. And you'll see us again. Hopefully, they will send me back, and, and Kim too. And we'll, we'll see what happens with that. And I, I'd love to, uh, I, I just love this church. It's, it's one, of the, one of the best churches that Kim and I uh, have been to. I, I love, uh, uh, Tim, know how much I love him uh, and his wife there. And, and uh, just love the music, uh, how he pours his heart out into the music that he, he plays. And, and then, you know, I love how people worship here. You're alive in your worship. We go to churches, they're not alive. I'm, I'm serious. They're, they're not alive. They're there, but they're not alive. So, but this church, the people are alive. And we, uh, Kim and Ivy, uh, are so glad to, uh, to see that. So, so uh, just think about it again as I uh, prepare to step down and turn this back over to Pastor Trump. Um, I'm gonna pray for us real quick, but don't leave God. One of the conversations I had with my wife was just three things that uh, that she can't do. Uh, one was she uh, she can't quit the food shelf. Okay, because we have a responsibility to help feed the needy. She can't uh, quit the Gideons because. We have a spiritual uh, responsibility to feed those who need to know Christ. And we can't quit God because we owe God our lives. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we come to the end of this message, start, uh, just thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, the prayers that uh, help hold my voice up. It's, it's fading in and out, but Lord, it's been uh, wonderful. Uh, so thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for the message itself, Lord. I hope that uh, it touched the people that you wanted to touch and that it makes a difference in the lives of those uh, who needed to hear it, Lord. Lord, uh, I that you just uh, continue to uh, bless the attention. Strike Community Church, bless the pastor, the congregation, the, uh, all those 
uh, everyone who has a hand in it that makes it function, Lord. Uh, Lord, I've seen so many moving people uh, uh, with, this, uh, uh, with this church this morning, and I thought, well, this is just wonderful how they roll together, how they, how they do things together, how they come together to make things function. And Lord, uh, just for taking care of Kim and I, it was just so great uh, to have that kind of service. And, and Lord, we know that this only happens because of you, because of who you are, because of your hand, Lord. So once again, bless this church, bless the people, and bless the pastor. It's in your name we pray. Amen. held out well yeah it did yeah it did and thank you so much for sharing the word with us i tell you the word of god is something else isn't yeah. it i mean i know for me there were several of them i kept telling joy joyce takes notes and and i said i kept saying write that one down write that one down <laughs> there for more meditation <laughs> but that's how it is I believe the Lord is word for every one of us here and those watching online as well this morning. That, that's what the word is. Like that scripture we read, Hebrews 4.12, is it? You know, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder the soul and spirit, and it does that in our hearts. And thank you for sharing the word and your life and your testimony. And now what we're going to do is, Tyrone, is Kemp going to come with you too? Okay, and they'll be standing by the back door there, and uh, we're going to receive an offering for Bibles, for Gideon Bibles. And um, cash is fine, but if you write a check, write it out to Gideon's this time, to the Gideon's, and then we'll just place that on the Bible there in the back. And uh, remember, we have a meal, fellowship meal. Donna Maria made a meal for us, and... And um, if anyone would like prayer, be free to come up here. We'll be up here to pray with you as well. So God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Yes, thank you. So we'll let them get back there before we start going. All right. Bless you all. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make.